When was the last time you were lost? I mean, really lost. Like you looked around and you weren't sure where you were or how to get where you wanted to go. Let me tell you, for me, it was a terrible feeling. I was on a backpacking trip when I was 15 years old and I walked away from the campsite to dig a hole in the ground. And when I stood up, I was totally turned around. I'll spare you the details, but after many hours, I was almost back to camp when I found the search party looking for me. Everybody thought it was hilarious that I'd gotten lost by going to take a poo in the woods. The thing is, everything looks the same when you aren't paying attention. These days, thanks to technology, we're almost never lost and we're almost never paying attention. We have a tiny blue dot on our phone that tells us exactly where we are. And then a computer program tells us how to get almost anywhere we want to go. It's almost too easy. Science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke once wrote that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. That little blue dot on our phones, the GPS, it seems to work like magic. The locations of our phones are calculated by over 30 satellites whizzing hundreds of miles above our heads. Who do we have to thank for the magic of the little blue dot? A lot of people, but it all started with a weather satellite, a herd of elk, a few scientists in Wyoming, and Monique. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Adventure Almanac Podcast. Stories about adventure and what we learn along the way. Every story is an experiment, and this is going to be a different kind of adventure story. The whole thing is basically a slow-motion chase scene, with no ending. So hold on to your earbuds. Are you ready for an adventure? Alright now, let's go. It was 1970, and about seven months earlier, the United States landed two men on the moon and safely returned them to Earth. Amazing. Especially considering that GPS hadn't been invented yet. Instead, they had fancy calculators and a bunch of super smart men and women writing on paper to figure out how to move people to and from space. I don't really understand how they did it, and over 50 years later, space travel still seems like magic to me. 1970 was the peak of the space race with Russia, but in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, it wasn't the first thing on everyone's mind. Monique stood in the field nervously. The cold February wind ruffled her winter coat as she bent down and played with the hay on the ground. She couldn't quite pinpoint why she was nervous, but she knew whenever there was a bunch of people standing around, it probably wasn't a good sign. In front of her, there were 1,500 elk, and there were another 5,000 elk scattered across the Elk Wildlife Refuge. She looked up at the snow-covered peaks of the Teton Mountains, and then back at the people nearby, and then thunk. Something stung her. She started running, not in any one direction, just anywhere but there. She couldn't focus, and eventually she had to stop. Days passed and nothing happened. No one checked on her. One day she looked up and she saw a group of strange people coming towards her. There were about three dozen men sitting on tractors in the distance. Another four men were on foot and she could see them coming closer. Monique decided that maybe she shouldn't just stand around and wait. She tried to hide. The men came closer. She moved and tried to hide again. For 45 minutes, Monique watched the men follow her at a distance. Every time they moved closer, she moved further away. Finally, they came within about 200 feet of her. Then she heard a faint pop and a wishing noise. A five-inch dart full of M99, a drug 3,000 times stronger than morphine, flew right past her. If they were aiming for her, they barely missed her and instead hid an elk behind her. Monique took off running. The herd spooked and also started running. Clods of mud and snow flew into the sky and their warm, heavy breathing made tiny clouds in the cold air. Through the chaos, Monique saw an elk slow down, stop, and then lay down in the snow. 
For the next 30 minutes, she watched as the men surrounded the elk lying on the ground. The herd was far enough away to be out of danger, and they watched the humans carefully. Monique kept her distance as well. She watched the elk slowly rise to her feet, look at the men on the hay wagons, and then she started trotting towards the safety of the herd. The elk was now wearing a large, bright red and silver collar. It was a strange sight. A month passed and the first day of April signaled spring was coming. Lately, she'd noticed that there were more new people around. They didn't seem to be bothering anyone, and in just a few weeks, the elk would be leaving the refuge and moving to the calving grounds. Thunk. Out of nowhere, she felt a sharp sting in her side and looked down to see a shiny metal object piercing her skin. The familiar haze was almost instantaneous. She tried to fight the drowsiness, but after five minutes, she laid down in the field and waited. The men gathered around her and called her Mo or Monique. They talked about the other Monique and that the experiment cost $25,000. They sounded hopeful, excited, and nervous. She could hear them mumble something about a satellite called Nimbus and that they only had an hour and a half. Monique woke up, looked around, and noticed that the men were watching her. She slowly got to her feet. She was okay. Okay. She could do this. She locked eyes with the 16 people standing around her and slowly backed away. Mo, Monique, Nimbus, satellites, none of this made any sense. She decided to put a little more space between her and them. She walked 25 yards away before looking back. Then, she took off running, and they didn't chase her. Something was different. The thing around her neck felt alive. It hummed and vibrated. Little did she know that the solar panels were charging batteries for antenna that were beaming her location to a satellite in space. At 11 a.m. on April 1st, 1970, Nimbus 3 passed 700 miles above Wyoming, and she instantly became famous. She was now known around the world as Monique, the space elk, the first living thing to be tracked from space. It was below freezing, she had more important things to worry about than the giant 50-pound red collar around her neck. Monique and the herd moved to new feeding grounds. Life was mostly normal as they traveled a few miles each day to look for new places to graze. She could still smell the humans, but they didn't seem to be interfering with the herd anymore. Then in late April, it snowed for two days straight and covered the mountains and valley in a fresh layer of sparkling white. Monique and a few other members of the herd decided to travel north over the new snow. It was a strange choice, their cabin grounds were only a few miles east up the river in the Slate Creek drainage. But Monique was on a different adventure. She headed north towards Blacktail Butte. The mountain rose from the valley like a beacon. She crossed the frigid waters of the Grovant River and kept going. Over the next few weeks, Monique and the other elk would occasionally hear the sound of a small Cessna 150 flying overhead. They tried to hide, but there was nowhere to hide. Every once in a while, they also smelled the humans nearby. There was nowhere to run so they continued roaming north and grazing along the way. At some point, the collar rotated around her neck and the sound of the faint buzzing stopped. When May finally rolled around, she was feeling good. Despite the collar around her neck, she was healthy. Monique and 15 other elk split from the main herd and traveled north along the east side of Blacktail Butte. From there, they traveled 17 miles to reach the slopes of Signal Mountain. Then they waited. They were far from their summer calving grounds, but they hadn't seen any humans in a while. After five days, Monique and another female elk left the small group for their own adventure. They still had to reach Slate Creek. Guided by instinct alone, they traveled up Spread Creek before turning south and crossing a snowy mountain divide near Mount Lady. It was slow progress. 
The wind blew hard and they stepped cautiously as their feet crushed the icy crust of the deep snow. They didn't exactly know where they were or how to get where they wanted to go, but something deep inside them pushed them forward. After a week of navigating over the 8,000 foot pass and down the mushy slopes, they found the drainage and finally reached Lake Creek. There, 300 members of the herd were waiting for them. The warm days of June and the green grass of the valley and being around the herd were comforting. They had made it. Their little adventure had been a success. She could relax now. Monique bent down, munching on some grass, when her nose started twitching. She thought she smelled humans nearby. She could sense that they were out there, but she couldn't see them. Maybe they wanted their collar back. For a moment, she worried about what might happen next. She had been Monique the Space Elk long enough. She wouldn't mind losing the collar, especially if it meant that these humans would get lost. Oh, if Monique only knew, this was just the start of it all. These days, everything can be tracked, and like most things, there are costs and benefits to any new technology. During the test of the Nimbus 3 satellite, the average error for locating the collar was about 18 square miles. The researchers could only collect data for about four minutes a day. The collar stopped working after 30 days, and they accidentally tranquilized the wrong elk. But they learned and improved, and that's science. We can now use GPS to calculate a location within 12 inches, and coverage is nearly omnipresent. From measuring the migrations of animals and the speed and direction of your car, to finding anything almost anywhere, tracking is inescapable. Which brings me back to my first question. When was the last time you were lost? When was the last time you had to stop and ask someone for directions? I'm guessing it's been a while. In one respect, that's a good thing. GPS turn-by-turn -turn directions might be the most important device ever invented to improve a relationship on a road trip. Not that I'm speaking from experience, of course. Just giving an example. Wherever you are or whatever you want to do, trying to figure out your next steps is not always easy, especially without something like a GPS telling you which way to go. Exploring the unknown is almost always messy. Sometimes you have to accept being a little lost if you want to learn something new, and that's all part of the process. These days, GPS helps us get where we know we want to go a little faster. All thanks to Monique and the scientist who followed her across Wyoming in the winter and spring of 1970. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. On AdventureNerds.com, we've posted a map of Monique's route and added a few random notes and tangents that we couldn't quite fit into the episode. Check it out and let us know what you think. This episode was researched, written, and produced by the team at Adventure Nerds. Original music was written and performed by Christopher Esther. You can find more of Christopher's work on YouTube by clicking the link in the episode description. Thanks, Christopher. Until next time, be curious and choose adventure. What was the last time you found yourself in an unexpected place? How'd you end up there?